This week on the Tall Chief Cigar Circle podcast, Dave Lafferty from Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust stops by the studio, jumps yeah. on the show. We're going to have a conversation with him. You guys are going to want to hear that. Also, some new cigars are rolling through, as always, of course. Uh, we'll give you our thoughts on a couple of new gems that you guys are going to want to try out. And some big news in the golf world. You guys probably know what I'm hinting at, but we'll get into all those details. So cut it, light it, let's go. Welcome back to the Tall Chief Cigar Cigar Circle Podcast, episode 11. 11. Oh, boy. <laughs> episode 11. It is... Wow. All right. We just appreciate you guys sticking around for the ride. As always, it's your boy, Carl, accompanied by my amigo, my hermano, my boy, my business partner, my friend, my... My Dave. <laughs> <laughs> You got a couple got, of those yeah, these days. I got a couple. I got too many Daves, man. Too many Daves uh, from all different countries, all represented. <laughs> it's a huge problem. You know, we got Dave Lafferty today on yeah, the show. Yeah. That's cool. We Dave. got We got Dave, Canadian Dave here. We got Dominican Dave. We got a little bit of something for everybody. Yeah. I don't really know where I'm going with this segment, so I'm just going to pass it off to Dave. Let him tell you how he's doing. Hey, what's up, guys? I want to give a quick shout out to all the dads out there. Happy Father's Day coming at you this weekend. And, uh, you know, as a new father myself, uh, this, this day, my, my, my very first Father's Day last year, I spent, uh, you know, rushing our kid off to the hospital in some fake oh, yeah. emergency that ended up being no big deal at all, right? Totally fine. As all new parents do, apparently, my wife and I, you know, went bonkers over something that actually turned out to be nothing. And uh, that's how I spent my first Father's Day. So I'm really looking forward to Father's Day number two, hoping that everything goes smoothly and uh, just get to enjoy a, a day on the golf course with my with my dad. So that's what we'll be doing. But happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It's also our third, no, our second Father's Day, you and I together, Dave, of being the father of basically every other tobacco shop in this general area. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so that's a cool thing. Who's your us. daddy? Yeah, it's a cool thing for us. So, uh, sons out there, have a great Father's Day. Uh, <laughs> I, sh I mean, you got to fire shots. Shoot or shoot, bro. Yeah. Shoot or shoot. You're so, a shooter. I'm just... <laughs> anyway, happy Father's Day to everybody out there. My dad is awesome. Uh, trying to get him into cigars kind of sucks, but if you'll be at PCA, <laughs> I have great news for you. I'm so excited. Uh, <laughs> uh, my dad will be with us at PCA, <laughs> and if you thought I was a shooter, <clears throat> yeah. wow, this yeah. guy fires some shots. I can't wait to show him around uh, Las Vegas. He hasn't been there in 18 years since I was uh, 14. We're going to show Carl Sr. a good time. Man. It's going to be cool, and I, you know, it's it's gonna be great. So if you see us at PCA, uh, the the other guy with us will be my dad. He'll probably be at the slots. But <laughs> yeah, happy Father's Day, guys. So what we're just gonna I okay we've had a tremendously busy month here mm -hmm. at the world famous Tall mm -hmm. Chief Cigar Humidor Lounge. We received probably twenty thousand dollars in inventory today. It doesn't really. That's the moot point. I haven't had a cigar yet. Wow. Yeah. Fresh palate. <laughs> Well, They're we need to, we fresh. need to change that. Please give me we the need mystery to fix cigar. That. So, 
Here I have uh, in my pocket here an unbanded cigar. I've removed the packaging. You guys know the drill. Carl's going to try to figure this one out, and I'm being I'm being especially difficult today because oh. the kid's on a he's on a run, and so I'm yeah. I'm really going to try to stick it to him. So shit, Ooh, look at this go, buddy. puppy. There you go. Look at this guy. That's like a that's like a perfect Toro cigar right there. It might be a six and a half. Let me think. It's a good eye. Yeah, it might be a six and a half. It looks like it's got. It looks. It looks like a. Is this a Dave? This is not the same wrapper. This can't be the same wrapper. Look, it's this. It's somewhat discolored. There, do you see that? I do. Do you see the difference? And yeah. So now I feel like I feel like I'm gonna get I'm gonna get dunked down here. But do you see like the difference? Is it a barber pole cigar? No, it's not. No, it can't it's not. Be. But but I see we, I see what you're talking about. There's a there, there's a slight change in coloration from from the t- from the top of the leaf to the to the bottom, and it makes it almost look like a like a bit of a barber pole effect. But no, uh, interesting. Okay, yeah, it looks it's because it's too wide, right? Like that's just too. Yeah, this and it sort of dissipates sick. the effect, like dissipates as you get closer to the cap. But mm. delicious dry pull. Uh, you know what I find on dry pull a lot. Just like fruitiness, like half the time, like fig kind of thing, like dark black yeah. cherry kind of thing, like, like yeah. a lot. You know, and and so often the the flavor notes that you find in a dry pull are completely different or even like non-existent once you light the cigar. Some that's right. what I find. Like right, it's gone. Two totally different yeah. experiences, flavor-wise. You know, so same kinda, same thing with like retrohaling, like. All of a sudden, some brand new flavor comes out of nowhere, uh, you know, and, and that's what's so much fun about it. So to describe the cigar here, it's a six and a half by 50 Toro. It is not a Connecticut. It's just like a nice almond brown, just a beautiful brown. It's not a, it's not a Maduro. It looks like the way like a natural wrapper would look, mm-hmm. right? So um, I stick my tongue to it and it's a little peppery. It's a little bit spicy for like half a second. Uh, like I said, the dry pull has like a very... A very satisfying like uh, fig kind of dark cherry kind of dried fruit flavor that I get a lot when I do dry pull but I love it <laughs> smelling it uh, there's really no dis- like like uh, obvious factors about it that would kind of point me in any direction the end of the cigar it's kind of interesting because it is a circular cigar but like the end of it looks boxy <laughs> yeah so it's a little weird there yeah, pressed so little. I'm gonna I'm gonna light this thing and this is gonna be hard Nothing visually gives me any idea right. what it could be. Completely uh, nondescript, medium brown, round, you know, 52 ring Toro. So, uh, like I said, I'm going to try to make it a little more difficult this week because we've had some guys come into the shop. I had some guys come in over the weekend and they're all like, oh man, you know, like I listen to the pot every week and like, Man, Carl, he's like the cigar whisperer. He's like figure. He, I don't know how. How does he do it? And I'm and I'm sitting there. It's like you fucking. <laughs> like you know what? Again, I'm again gonna, with this, these. I'm gonna get guys. this kid. I'm gonna get him. Yeah, no, this is a great place to start because. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <so> cigar whisperer. <laughs> I'm glad I'm I'm really glad that it's like we've had a lot of people over the past like probably like two or three weeks reference things from the pod which is so 
fucking cool. That's so cool. Um, because like we okay in the beginning, it's changed so much from the beginning to now, right? So like in the beginning, it was kind of like we're just a little bit rigid and talking about the prices that the world famous cigar, <laughs> a cigar humidor, adult cheap cigar, you know. And now it's just like let's just be fucking two dudes who are hanging out smoking cigars. Yeah talking about how how wild this whole thing is we're coming up on two years and uh we're having a lot more fun doing it that way you know like obviously want you to come in and spend all your money and have to get a divorce and all this stuff right (laughs) of course um but like beyond that it's like we just want to simulate the environment of like dudes hanging out smoking cigars right. and bullshitting and, and that kind of thing. Exactly. So I do love the fact that Dave gets dogged though. I do love it. <laughs> I do. I do love it. Yep. I did not think yep. that my run was. Let me, let me smoke on this and then I'll give my thoughts. Yeah, after. yeah. So, uh, you know, the we've got some really cool uh, cigars that have uh, shown up that I, I'm personally very excited about. One of which is in my hand right now that I'm looking forward to telling you guys about. Um, you know, maybe we'll get to that in a second here. But uh, the other thing is just that, yeah, we're less than a month away from two years now doing this. Mm. Um, we're uh, going to be attending our third cigar convention uh, right after we hit our two-year our two-year anniversary uh, with Tall Chief Cigars here, which is really, really cool. It's kind of a cool way to celebrate and so just a lot of awesome awesome things happening this month and throughout Two the years. summer yeah what where were we in the beginning to now like uh from that was my lighter <laughs> okay. uh remember what how light what life was like with me and you so for anybody who doesn't know Man. dave and i lived together which was cool you know yeah it was fucking it was great we uh, both had jobs that like we weren't really too jazzed up about. A lot of you guys know this story, but it's it's a it's a cool story. And yeah. then uh, you know, I heard through the grapevine about this opening here, and then I thought to myself, like, we would do really good at that. Why I don't know. You could ask Dave. I have this irrational confidence of just like, yeah, it's gonna work out. It's gonna be fine. It's gonna be great, actually. Not fine. Not just fine, but great. You know, it's gonna be world famous. And then, uh, you know, eventually, sometimes I miss, often. Well, you know, whether or not that's true, it does also, I mean, you say irrational, but it does make logical sense that you and I would be very good at this because we've been smoking together for a long time. We bring a new energy to this place that, you know, had reputationally suffered. It had been just, you know, just for lack of attention. it was sort of left alone for a little while, this, this poor shop here, while they had a fantastic selection. And all of the resources to make it into something awesome, it just mm-hmm. needed some vision and some enthusiasm and, and some knowledge, some cigar knowledge. And we were able to bring all of those things. And so, yeah, it makes perfect logical sense to me that, uh, that, that <clears throat> it, was a great, it was a great fit for everybody. So yeah, two years, man. It's been an amazing two years. It feels like it's been like a, a couple months. I feel yeah. like we're still the new guys. Yeah, you know, it's our second full full summer. Um, yeah, I know. mean, we got here July first, twenty one. Right. Had two months of trying to figure out stuff, how how it works, and then uh, what sells, what doesn't, all this stuff. Right. And now the shop has grown to a point of 
It's just the, the growth has been out of control. It's been awesome. We thank you guys for it. We've made so many friends here um, that we see all the time that obviously come in and dog Dave about him not being able to pick a cigar that I've never had before. Uh, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's been awesome. So, like, and every week we're bringing in some new cigars. Every single week. Yeah. That's the goal. Bring in a new cigar every week. This week was no different. Um, Dave has, is smoking one of the newer ones right now. I'll tell you about the first one. The H. Upman Day Trader. Right. It's a Nicaraguan and Dominican blend draped with a beautiful Ecuadorian wrapper. It's a limited release. Only going to be coming out in small batches from our friends at Altidus. The H. Upman Day Trader. I have not tried one yet. We have one box of 10 cigars here. They're about 12, 95, somewhere in that, somewhere in that range. But if you like the Banker or Herman's Batch, yeah. uh, some cigars that we've had in the past from the H. Upman line, you're going to want to come grab one. Um, it's one that will keep stocked, I'm sure. Cool box. Yeah, very cool box. Cool artwork. This it's an extension of the of the H. Upman Banker line, uh, the Day Trader, and they put those cool like stock stock uh ticker candles uh, across the box which is pretty cool uh so yeah i i'm looking forward to trying that one and for fans of the banker you're going to want to try that as well mm-hmm. uh what i have in my hand here is the third edition of the camacho factory unleashed series i'll be honest wasn't a big fan of the first two mm-hmm. um i'm a i'm kind of a picky smoker whatever but no you know, <laughs> no, what in, <laughs> and it will not surprise you that the factory unleashed three has a Mexican San Andreas wrapper, nice dark Maduro mm. wrapper. And you don't see San Andreas anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it just, dis- it just dropped off the face of the earth until this cigar. It. You don't see it. Yeah. You don't yeah. See so it. in keeping with obviously this industry wide trend, uh, fad maybe, you know, it's all the rage, Mexican San Andreas right now. But whatever, I can't get enough of it. I I freaking love every one of these new cigars coming out using it. So, And the Factory Unleashed is no different. Uh, I'm maybe uh, half of the way through this one. And it's got all of everything you love about Mexican San Andreas Maduro, earthiness, some little bit of natural sweetness, but it's kind of like a dry earthiness. Um, that's just really, really nice. It, and, and of course, in keeping with the rest of the Factory Unleashed line, it's got that uh, sort of unwrapped foot, right? So the first inch, if that, maybe, maybe three quarters of an inch, has no wrapper. Um, different than what's, what's, you know, a shaggy foot would be like, I believe I have this right. The shaggy foot is when the wrapper completely comes all the way down and covers the foot of the cigar and it's like uncut at the end, right? Like, so there's some wrapper hanging off the end and that's the first thing you light. Um, whereas, whereas this, the sort of uh, unwrapped foot is like the first half inch of the cigar has no wrapper. It's just binder and filler. And then, so as you light the cigar, it's an awesome experience because you're only tasting those tobaccos and then you can very distinctly and noticeably tell once you burn into the wrapper, all of a sudden here comes all this sweet flavor added to the mix. So it's a, it's a really cool cigar and a really cool experience to smoke something that's built that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a third year in a row. We're getting the factory unleashed. I loved the 21, thought it was really good. 
22, we kind of got a little bit ahead of ourselves, bought a shit ton of it, still have some remaining. Great cigar, $6.60, I think, so just a really good value. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, I, you know, San Andreas is not necessarily my thing all the time. Sure. I can't do it all the time, but I could do it when I want it. I want it really bad. <laughs> so I'll get around to it. We have some cool news about Camacho for you in the next show. Regarding uh, maybe like a promotion of some kind. Oh, I don't know. know. Mm. Sneak that in there. Um, The last show before PCA, we'll have a lot of news like that. Um, So since the last episode, we officially got in Black Label Trading Company. Yes. Which has taken off. Yes. Why? I'm not sure. But the cigars are really good. And, you know, we got four different ones. Give you something to try. The Killer Bee is probably my favorite. It's small. It's a dog walker, but it's got a ton of flavor. It smokes like a dream. They're always rolled perfectly. You know, with these small companies, sometimes you pay a little bit of a premium, but you could just taste a little bit of a difference. Yeah. You know, a little yeah. more care. Yeah, very excited about that. Uh, the last rights, mm-hmm. um, you know, Lawless, that, royalty. The, the, the royalty. Yeah, these are already uh, starting to drip off the shelves. Uh, and the Killer Bee, of course. Uh, awesome cigars from a very small batch, you know, boutique cigar company. So yeah. that's pretty cool. It's been awesome. And then also Big Sky. Big Sky finally arrived here. We sold out in two days of the Cryptid San Andreas. It's a fat little Robusto. Wow. Yeah, that's 60 right. ring Robusto. It did not sold take out long. in two days. Still got the Bitterroot Habano. That box bought half open. The uh, Yellowstone Robusto. Nice Connecticut. Nice coffee cigar for you for this, these hot summer mornings where you just want to have a little treat yourself to a little iced coffee and get mm. out there on the porch and just think about <laughs> how much you love Tall Chief Cigars and Native Pride, right? And then, of course, the Mad Minnow, the fishing lure. You've mm-hmm. seen it. Mm-hmm. It's a little shotgun bullet, you know, but it's got a ton of flavor. Smokes like a dream. Super cool cigar. Looks awesome. Great little 20-minute guy for you. And then there's that other dark one, the big bitter horn. Root. The bitter root. Bitter root. Yeah, the Habano. What's the, oh, what's the big, yeah, that is the big, big horn. horn. The big horn yeah. is the is the other San Andreas. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we uh, we love we we're we're finally doing what we wanted to do for huh. so long. It's taken so long to move stuff that just you could find it everywhere, and we got it in three sizes. And it's like no, like we want more tatuaje. We want cool little boutique boutique brands. We want. We want the, the we want the hits too, but we're finally getting to that point where we're just moving stuff out, bringing some stuff in, trying new things. It's been awesome. We and everybody's loving it too. Like they're partaking mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. So those are two brands that we're super excited to have. We have Cavalier on the way. We have more Espinosa on the way. We have PCA in three weeks. Three weeks from today, we're going to leave for PCA. We're going to come back with probably all sorts of cool new stuff. And old favorites, too. You know, we just refilled all of our Macanudo, all of our Punch, all of our Cohiba, all of our Oliva. Everything's marked down. But the new brands especially are taken off in here, and it's uh, all thanks to you guys. And I encourage you, the next time you come in or if you hit us up online, ask us what's new. We'll tell you all about it. Yeah, that's awesome. Speaking of, speaking of Tatuaje, there's also, just for, for Tatuaje fans... There's a we we got a box of the one of the Kohonu 2018 on the shelf over there. Uh, I think we got a couple of them in actually, and um, this is one of the lost year Kohonus. So like, you know they they released the Kohonu series in years, and there were a couple of years left out of the <laughs> left out of the series. 
And so they, they uh, you know, Pete Johnson and Tatawai uh, released those in succession. They called them the lost years. And uh, the 2018 is the second of the two lost years. And we were lucky enough to uh, get a couple of those. So anybody looking to add that to your collection mm-hmm. for your humidor at mm-hmm. home, just hit us up and we'll, we'll ship them out to you, you know? So, yeah. So come and celebrate our two year anniversary with us with some cool new stuff, have a cigar with us, all that kind of stuff. Let us tell you all about this exciting stuff that we're bringing in because we're huge nerds. That's just what it is. Yeah. We're just That's two it. big cigar nerds. We'll talk to you about people that we met in the industry, cigars we've tried. We want to hear your stories. We want to just, you know, the engagement with uh, for us with other cigar dudes or cigar ladies is, what it's all about you know we've had a great time over the past two years with that and we're going to keep it going so why don't uh you know i'm smoking this cigar this is a great cigar yeah and i don't know what it is um i can't really suss out the label or the the wrapper that much the label forget about it uh i gotta see the label to know what cigar it is yeah uh it's smoking really well the draw is really good so i'm like super into it it's like a three or four out of five in strength it's like i'm having a I don't think it's a Habano. Okay. It could be. I feel like it could be like a Sumatra, though. I just—it's not a Corojo. It's a little bit too—it's a little bit too spicy, and it doesn't have that natural sweetness. I don't think it's a Corojo. So I kind of am in that realm. There, it tastes like a Nicaraguan cigar. Huh. It doesn't have like a woodiness that I often find with Dominican tobacco. Okay. And it also has some punch to it. Okay. Which I feel like would, would make it a, a Nicaraguan or at least have some Nicaraguan elements to it. Mm-hmm. But the tobacco blend is satisfying and tasty. Nice. Which I think, okay, it's Nicaraguan, you know, so. Well, I'll, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's sort of a clue in by itself that I'm trying to be intentionally as vague and difficult as possible. And that might be. Uh, you know, while still, you know, I'm not going outside the humidor or anything like that, but it is not a Mikarita. Oh, <laughs> shit. You if know, it was, I would have known immediately. You would have known immediately. I had like this, last week. I exactly. And go with this sweet tip. Like, what was I thinking? Come I on. Know. I mean, that, that Silver Mesa <laughs> was just a f- dead, dead ass giveaway. <laughs> I feel like you just did that to troll our fans. Oh, man. You know, uh, you're right. Right. Yeah, I feel like yeah, you're we'll just a that. huge troll. That's why you got dunked on in the store is because yeah. you threw like, me the bro. lob. You threw me the Hail Mary. So speaking of me, Carita, I have an awesome interview to present that I had with Dave Lafferty, who is the national sales manager for Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust, some of the most amazing and tasty cigars in the entire market. Nice. We probably have him here. We've had him for almost a full year as of PCA last mm-hmm. year. We love them. They're coming out with some new stuff. Dave and I kind of tackled everything here, so why don't you, uh, why don't you give it a listen? Okay, we're back, and today is a really special day for me. Um, you guys that have hung in here and supported us and listened to our podcast for the past 10 weeks now have heard some really awesome guests, guys that we see with regularity, guys that represent a lot of really awesome cigars that we have here at the world-famous Tall Chief Cigars Humidor and Lounge. We have a rare in-person interview here today with none other than Dave Lafferty. Dave represents Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust, a brand that we are super stoked to sell here. We've had them here at the world-famous Tall Chief Cigars Humidor for about a whole calendar year now since the end of last PCA. And we've just been ripping through these sticks like crazy. They're one of my favorite brands. Everything in this portfolio... I. Uh, smoke a lot of, sell a lot of. You've heard Dominican Dave's Cigar of the Week. 
for a couple months now, featuring a lot of different Dunbarton cigars. So here I have Dave Lafferty. Dave, how's it going, man? Thank you so much for joining me and taking some time to come visit us out here. Oh, man, thank you for having us. I really appreciate coming down. Uh, Toll Chief has done a great job of representing our brand and bringing it in, having trust in our small little family company to you know, represent it and introduce it to your clientele that, that walks through the door. It's really great. We really appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's been an incredible run with us here so far uh, with Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. We So when I got here about two years ago, we uh, you know we had a lot of... We had a lot of repair to do. We had a lot of brand building to do with a lot of brands that we enjoy, but weren't you know particularly represented well here at our humidor. And uh, Dunbarton was the one that I got asked about more frequently than all the rest of them. So since we've gotten here, we've kind of started up with Kristoff again and boutique brands like Warped and built our Tatuaje. But people were coming for Dunbarton. They were asking for it, and um, you know. As for me personally, as a guy who runs a humidor who had to go buy Dunbarton sticks elsewhere, it never sat right with me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was really happy that, you know, we also have Brian Sonia here who uh, we buy your cigars from. And uh, when Brian and I were actually able to have a – we had cleared the, the right amount of space. We had given it a good prominent location that, you know, people would be able to, like, see it all instead of just rushing to get all the product in and putting it in the back of the humidor without kind of representing it the right way. When we finally had all the factors in place to do that and we were able to get it, it was a huge day for us here at Tall Chief Cigar. So I'm really glad that you uh, kind of took some time out to come visit us and see what we're doing with your brand and with with everything here. So I just kind of want to hop right into it. Um, our guys love hearing about how you know reps got their foot in the door, um, how they started in this strange industry that we're all kind of involved in so tell me a little bit about your dunbarton story if you could about how you got your foot in the door and and how things all started off here so how things start off for me it's a, a really just shit dumb luck <laughs> uh like so many things in the cigar industry i've been with uh i've been with Saka here at dunbarton a little over four years but we originally worked together back in the drew estate days mm-hmm. so i was at drew estate for 11 years i started as the new england and upstate western new york rep in 2007, in 2008, I managed Salesforce east of the Mississippi, plus handled legislation and started to work with some of the smaller uh, wholesale web catalog accounts and eventually left as the director of national accounts. So everything web catalog and wholesale was my was my purview. Mm. Uh, but I, before being in the cigar industry, I was just a cigar head, just a total cigar geek, hanging out, smoking cigars with friends. I've been smoking cigars over 30 years now. Mm. and. Before that, I, I was a deputy sheriff years ago. Uh, I did that job. I, I joked that when I was a deputy sheriff, I had a 15-year-old kid try and bite my fi- index finger off because <laughs> I fished a bag of dope out of his mouth, and it's never happened in this job. It's kind of nice. <laughs> not you know, it's a different, uh, yeah, right, right. The week's not done yet, so let's not set myself up to fail on that one. Shouldn't have put, shouldn't have put that out in the universe. Uh, but just got lucky. A friend of mine worked for Drew before me, and he left. At the time, Oliva Cigars was just using brokers. They were going in-house. And he said, uh, oh, "I just Oliva offered me a you know a, a raise and shrunk my territory. I can't say no." But at the time, uh, John Drew and Marvin Samuel owned Drew Estate, and Marvin was in town doing some events with them. He said, "I think I think you'd hit it off. I think you'd get along well." And I met met up with Marvin. We went had had lunch, and then he did two different events two days in a row, and both of those shops vouched for me because I used to hang at a lot of cigar shops, and I started as the rep and have just sort of 
progressed my way through this industry, but I had a lot of uh, intellectual curiosity mm -hmm. when it comes to the business. So yeah. I used to interject myself in a lot of things that weren't actually my job just because <laughs> I, I wanted to know more about it. And it was an all hands on deck type of company, you know, so often. So mm -hmm. rose through the ranks just because I had a lot of, a lot of interest in it. Nice. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned Steve Saka. Yes. Uh, the guy has to, what I what I feel like is a cult following. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of fans, a lot of people that just only only partake in what he's had a hand in creating or, or building. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the guy, Steve Saka, maybe something behind the curtain or just what is it about him that, that, that conjures up this kind of uh, this kind of following passionate mm -hmm. passionate and Steve got into this Steve's a you know, was in the was in the Navy got out of the Navy uh, was originally from uh, East Texas uh, went back to Texas and uh, started an engineering company or, or purchased an engineering company uh, was out there for a period of time doing that and then he sold that company and he had some some money in his pocket and really enjoyed cigars and got involved started a, a website called cigar Nexus it was like the original cigar blogger before blogger was even a word hmm. and would travel down it was you know pre-cigar pre-cigar boom nobody was really interacting with the uh, factories down there nobody really cared so he was going down to Central America and meeting people at the factories and they were they were thrilled to share their knowledge of what they do they're very passionate people that have been yeah. doing this for generations and nobody ever gave a shit so he was there and he got involved and he grew those relationships over the years and really loved cigars loved tobacco loved writing about it loved understanding it and then eventually went to go work for Lou Rothman at the time, at the time owned JR Cigars before it was uh, bought by Imperial and came on board as one of his, he, he met Lou because he was like writing an article and started off having conversations with Lou and they got into an argument about who has the best chili dog and it was just crazy. <laughs> he went down this rabbit hole and at the end Lou was like, I want to hire you, I want you to work for me. Steve said, I'm, I'm very expensive, he said, well I can afford it. Nice. And he came on to be an executive for Lou over JR and Lou said, you love going down to these factories. I hate it. You go handle that. So he used to write for the magazine, deal with all the factories, get all different blends done, and progress through that. Altidus <clears throat> Imperial came along and bought JR. Uh, Steve left JR, had a non-compete, and tried to figure out, again, second time that he retired, let's do something else, and eventually got involved with, with Drew Estate, and they brought him on to be the president of the company. And he said, I'll be the president of your company, but I don't smoke anything that you make. So we joked that he got, a, <laughs> he got medical, dental, and a cigar made for him, and that cigar was Liga Pravada. Mm -hmm. So when you look at the band and it says Para El Jefe, he was El Jefe. That was his personal smoke. So he came on. He was with uh, Drew Estate for a number of years, the president. I knew Steve before that just from being a New England cigar guy, going to Cigar Herbs and meeting up. I was like, oh, that's, that's Steve Saka, like yeah, the yeah. lore of Steve Saka. Yeah. That's the guy over there. And he works at JR, and he knows all this. He's a Cigar Nexus guy. And that was just sort of who he was. He's a, he's a, a big personality. He is incredibly knowledgeable. Um, and he's also, he's kind of no bullshit. Mm -hmm. And I said he's in, in, a way, in a way that he can wax poetic. He's like, no bullshit. He wrote 19 paragraphs about three words. What is this <laughs> going on? I'm like, look, that's different than just being a bullshitter. Yeah. You know, it's a... Uh, adding a little sizzle to the steak when it comes to it but he just he, he's got a, a great way with way with words he could also be a little socially awkward and I tell people really they're like a little bit yeah so let me 
preface it this way before I get fired. Uh, so people <laughs> say to me like, oh, I've never met Sokka before. I'm going to an event next week. What do you, what do you think? I said, I think you should wear your thick skin. Yeah. I said, if you say something smart, he's going to tell you. If you say something stupid, <laughs> he's going to tell you. It just, it's just how it is. Uh, but one of the, the best types of events that you can do with Steve, you just put him in a room and have people asking questions about tobacco or cigars and you know he will just spend hours talking to people and giving them the information he loves to do it loves to be on a zoom call and mm -hmm. do those things loves to do it in person the worst type of thing is if you expect steve to stand at a table and try and sell stuff it is it, 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 i would rather go in the other room and lick every urinal than try and sit there <laughs> while he does that and, and trust me i'm not down for urinals uh, <laughs> but it's just we'd say leave him out of the sales aspect of it because he also you know we had an event one time a couple different events i'll tell the story about one, he was there and a woman came in, her son was graduating from college and they have a big party and they want to get a you know, box of, they want to get some cigars and wasn't talking to Steve, but Steve was there when she was saying it and they went in the humidor and they grabbed him a box of Silver Mesa and a box of Silver Mesa around $350. And he said, well, what is this for? She's like, oh, my son graduated from college. He's like, put that down. No, no, they're not going to appreciate it. Don't spend that money. He takes it, puts it down, grabs a bundle and says, here, these, these kids have no idea what they're going to be smoking. Just give the bundle, so you're wasting your money. And the shop was so furious, like, you just cost us $300, what are you doing? And he said, they're not going to enjoy it, I don't want them spending the money on it. And like, he will do that at certain events, mm -hmm. and just like, he doesn't, he's like, if you don't enjoy this, you are not going to come back. And this is not about just a one shop, let me take your money and, and get this done. That can be very infuriating sometimes for shops that want to ring the register that night. But he, he just wants to connect. He just wants you to be able to enjoy and come back and yeah. really just be in the realm. Yeah, just letting him kind of let that passion show, right? Yeah. I mean, if that's the reason why he's got gained so much notoriety in the cigar industry, um, it seems like that's just the thing that he's going to do best if you put him in a room full of guys who are idolizing this guy and uh, want to hear from him. You know, I mean, it's always best for me to hear about somebody's Everybody's trying to sell me something, right? So right. it's always best for me to try to... I want the stories, and I want the, why are you here? Like, well, why have we met today? Like, you know, we had a, about an hour-long chat before this, you know, was recorded. Just shooting the shit about the industry and where we've been and where things are going and what's coming out and this, that, the other thing. That's the fun part. And I think that's the fun part for a lot of people who are kind of trying to connect with the industry too you know because we all try to sell we all try to sell you stuff it's like yeah obviously like it keeps the we got to keep the lights on here um but that's always it's always nice to sit down and especially somebody who's uh you know a figure in the in the industry that we're all so hmm. interested in and the one that we love so much it's just always nice to hear that passion so let's talk about yeah. the cigars yeah I think part of backtrack to this to yeah. Saka, we, we have an incredibly loyal fan base because they they trust what he does and when part of what we do as a company steve creates cigars that he wants to smoke so if he will part of the way that we come up with our pricing part of how we make cigars steve sits down and decides what cigar he wants to smoke what he wants to make what he's going to enjoy once those cigars are actually made you roll them for about 30 days and you come up with your, your actual hard costs are on the product we then set a roughly 40 percent margin to that cost and that's how we come up with the price of the cigars when they hit the shelf mm -hmm. so the quality of our cigars whether it's an umbagog or a mi carita or a moesha Saka or a sin copper miso paladin de Saka, the quality isn't different between those they're all made of the same quality it's just the components and the ingredients that are in it and if you like what steve makes 
you will probably like the other things that Steve makes. You will have our you know, Silver Mesa Brulee, which is more mild, creamy, but not a boring air puffer. And then you'll also have the Micarita Tricky Traca, which is Nicaraguan binder and filler, Dominican Lajero, Connecticut Broadleaf Maduro, that really potent, robust, it's, it's like having a, you know, a chainsaw in your mouth, like a lawnmower in your mouth. You're, you light it up and your brain says, oh, this is a strong cigar, but it's not bitter, it's not harsh. So if you like the, the, the genre of cigars that Steve makes, there's a lot of different things in there that you can, you can gravitate towards. And the consumers appreciate the quality and know what it is that he's making, the passion and the, 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 the work that he puts behind it. So they're willing to spend a little extra money to smoke the quality products we put out. Yeah, these cigars will come you know, at a, at a premium price compared to your run-of-the-mill stuff that you see in every single humidor. But the experience with them, I would say, is is just on a different level than what you probably would experience in your run-of-the-mill humidor, which is why you just can't find them everywhere, which is why it's a little bit harder to... And we, we try not to be everything to everyone. We tell people that we are in the brand building phase of our company, not the volume phase of our company. And Brian Sonia, who we'd mentioned earlier, who's our, our rep in the territory, he lobbied really hard for you guys. He likes you guys a lot. He knows about, about what you do. And we were having a new account freeze. We weren't opening new people. And he's like, listen, the, you don't understand. There's some guys that are in there. They're great. They get it. They understand. I think they'll really be behind the brand. And I said, Brian, let's talk. Let's have a conversation. Because like all companies, especially at the time, we were dealing with inventory issues mm -hmm. and what's coming in. And we want to make sure that we support the people that support us. And I find it to be very rude and disingenuous where if I've been do, you know, doing business with an account for three years now, but I'm backordered on Sober Mesa Brulee and I can't get them their Brulee and they have customers for it, I turn around, I'm like, oh, by the way, I'm an open toll chief and I'm going to siphon Brulee off to go there. It's like, you, you, you can't do that. Like, right. You see it happen all the time mm -hmm. in this business. It's one of the things that gives people just sort of a, a bad name. So we try to make sure that we, we pick our spots mm -hmm. and we're working because you know support is reciprocal. We try and live by the golden rule. We can be sarcastic and ball breakers and joking and doing our thing, but we really try to make sure that we are uh, top level when it comes to being a vendor and having your support and your trust. You're spending thousands of dollars to put our cigars on the shelf and we want you to feel comfortable that if you bring it in and you turn your customer onto this and they have it, that you can buy more of it from us and your customer isn't turning around because you haven't had it in three months and they're shopping at your competition or they're going someplace else. Like that is, it just to us, that's a very tone deaf way to run your business. So we try and be as cognizant about it as humanly possible. Yeah, and it's it's just a testament to the Dunbarton brand where, um, you know, every brand is different in the cigar world where you can go on cigar page or whatever and buy a four pack of whatever the hell for, you know, 12 or $13. It doesn't support the B&M, you know, the, place like us where we're bringing you everything possible where you could just walk in and grab something ultra high-end you know like a Dunbarton or grab something just to smoke on your lawnmower like a, you know a punch cigar for example um, the the experience with having and hand selling uh, a ultra premium cigar like Dunbarton is always the most fun thing for me because whenever people come back and they describe the label, but they don't know the name. You know exactly where to take them. Like, oh, the crown. It had the crown. And it was it, a lot of guys in the store. You know, not my bag, but a lot of them gravitate to the double Corona, the Gordos, those kind of things. And, man, these guys just have a ball just coming in, looking at all different sizes of what, uh, you know, what you guys have, all the different varieties, asking us questions about the different Dumbarton blends. Uh, it's been a joy. And, uh, you know, I'm super happy and really proud to be able to display them and uh, recently, we, uh, we introduced this, 
monthly subscription pack for our for our uh, our VIP customers, mm-hmm. more or less, guys that we see a lot who want to support the store with a monthly premium cost, and then we give them a little sampling of things that they might like. So we provide them with a scoring card where they score our selections every month, and then we continue to curate their pack every month. You know, we charge them, we send them their cigars, and we try to make selections based off of what they have said that they liked or didn't like in the past. So it just kind of is constantly curated toward their taste. And this month, um, I think I had at least six or seven that had uh, a Mi Carita in it. Um, red, great for me. Love that one. A little bit much for a lot of the guys. Blue, perfect. Yeah. Um, that's one of the cigars that if you've come in here at any time in the past year, I've tried to hand sell this one to you. Uh, it was our number four or five cigar of the year for our entire humidor. Uh, Dave and I put together blind lists, and we just compared them. Dominican Dave? Oh, no. World famous Dominican Dave? No, Dominican Dave's number one was the Sober Mesa. And that made the top uh, 10 or 15. So uh, a lot of Dunbarton was in the top 25. I want to talk a little bit. Are we allowed to talk about this one that we have here? Yes, we are. Are we? Okay, cool. So we'll we'll get to that. We have a super... uh, a new a new kind of super rare kind of thing that's going to be coming out that we should have access to, and we'll get into that a little bit later. It's in the Mi Curita line. Um, if you've come in, like I prefaced in the past, you have certainly had a Mi Curita put into your hand. Um, I kind of want to know your experience with uh, with the Mi Curita line. Is it uh, where, where it's popular? Which one is more popular? Which one do you like more? I just kind of want to hear your thoughts on that line. So Mikarita, like you said, the Mikarita Blue is the original Mikarita. It's a Nicaraguan binder filler, Connecticut Broadleaf Maduro wrapper. Uh, it is the cigar that I smoke the most of anything that we make. The mm. Mikarita Ancho Largo, and surprisingly enough, the, so the Ancho Largo is a Toro size, and the Gordita is a little 4x48. It's a little petite Corona. And Saka says all the time that you know, when you when you blend things into the smaller ring gauge size, a lot of times it burns hotter. It's a bit more intense. It's a different different expression than the rest of the line. But that Gordita four by forty eight, it's like you took a Toro and you hit it with a shrink ray. It just smokes <laughs> like the Toro. It has that richness that's there. It's like a little little chocolate bar. Mm-hmm. Like it just so they're so delicious. So those are what I smoke the most of is the Micarita Blue, the original Liancho, the Ancho Largo, or, or the Gordita. The cigar that I like the most of what we, we make is in the Moestra de Saca line, it's the Naka Tamale. And the Moestra de Saca line is our most complicated and confusing line mm-hmm. because they're individually coffin cigars, there's seven cigars in a box, and we say each of them is their own ideation and own thing that Steve wants to make each year, makes a new one. And the only thing that they have in common is there's seven coffin cigars in a box. Every single one is different. So the hmm. first one, uh, it, it's if Steve wants to work on something but not dedicate an entire line to it, he makes the as a Moestra Saka. So the first year that they made Moestra, it was the Exclusivo, and Steve wanted to challenge himself. Where our our cigar, it's not that it uses young tobacco, but he doesn't use a lot of stuff that has like really aged tobacco to it because it's it's more mellow. He likes stuff that's a bit more punchy, and. He said, can I make a cigar that I'm going to enjoy where all the tobacco has at least five to seven years of age on it? And that's what Exclusivo is. So it's probably our most mellow, uh, smooth, uh, Moestra de Saca. The second one was a Naka Tamale. And it's made in an old Cuban farm style blend where the uh, bind, it's either the binder and filler. We also don't disclose the blends on the Moestra line. The binder and filler are one tobacco, and the mm-hmm. wrapper is another tobacco, or the wrapper and the binder are one tobacco, and the filler is another. I forget exactly what it is. 
but that's the way they do cigars in Cuba, with the exception of like the Ellie or things like that. They where they just have two like government approved crops, and everything is is worked off of that. I think the Nakatamale is our our richest cigar. It's amazing the complexity that you can get out of a cigar that just has the two tobaccos that's in there. They're phenomenal. Hmm. Uh, in the Moestro line, there's also the Lancero, the, the hashtag NLMTHA for now leave me the hell alone because he, <laughs> he hates Lanceros and he hates you know the Lancero guys who buy like two Lanceros and smoke one and put it in their shrine. They're always like, I want a Lancero, I want a Lancero. <laughs> He's like, stop it. So here's, now, here's the now leave me the hell alone. Uh, we have, uh, we did one called the Unstolen Valor and it's a uh, it's a little bit of play. Steve's a Navy vet, like I said previously. Uh, it's a play on the whole stolen valor, where our cigars are made at two different factories. Uh, we use Hoya de Nicaragua uh, for the majority of them, and then we use Noxa, the Nicaragua American Cigar Factory, for our Micarita, Micarita Tricky Traca, Micarita Black, Umbagog, and this unstolen valor. And Steve said to Raul Diesel is the master maker at Noxa, and he said, Raul, you make some great cigars. Nobody knows who the hell you are. I want you to give me what you think your five best blends are. I'm going to see which blend I like the most, and I'm going to release that as my Moestra, let everybody know about you, and shine, shine some light on you. It's the only cigar that we make, uh, it's the only cigar that we sell that was not blended personally by, by soccer. Mm -hmm. uh, there's that. Then last year we did uh, the Bewitched, which was originally made for a shop which recently closed. It was the Owl Shop in Worcester, Massachusetts. It was there. 50th or 75th anniversary I forget what wow. it was for but we did that we did that for them uh, they're re relocating to someplace else uh, but it was such a great cigar we did it for their annual one of their annual dinners that we like to do with them and Zach who owns the owl shop was like Steve you gotta you gotta make more of these and Steve I'm not making more of these for you he's like no 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 stop not for me for everybody it's a, it's a great blend that we actually it made sense we, we released that as our Moestra last year this year we're going to do one called Krakatoa. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a very, it's a confusing line. You have to explain it to a lot of people, and you know what it's like. Somebody comes into the humidor, doesn't know things to begin with. Their eyes just sort of gloss over, and then you look at yeah, five boxes next to each other, which are just coffin cigars, where you don't even see the, the cigar inside the coffin or the sliding the lid yeah. over, and you, it takes some time. But our consumers who know what they are, if you were to take a poll. Uh, it really, it'll be all over the map on which one they think is the is their favorite, but mm -hmm. they all you know support it enough that uh, the line does significantly well. It just seems like so much more is going into every cigar that you guys make than a lot of these, you know, a lot of the everyday cigars you'll see, or even some of the cigars that are coming out now or just kind of gaining some steam now. It's there's always a cool little story attached to them and things like that, but the care and the attention that every single Dunbarton blend gets year in and year out with these special Moisture de Saka cigars especially is just on a different level. And it's just awesome to be a, a part of that kind of, uh, the, the building of that and the, the, the widespread word of that. So it's an awesome story. I have a, I'm actually enjoying one of the Tricky Traca Mi Caritas right now. And uh, <clears throat> this cigar, it's really full. I haven't eaten today. I've been fasting during the day. So like this has been an experience for me, but I taste it better, and I think it's I think it's even better than before. I so Dave and I went to our first PCA last year, and that was a time when the airlines were like having like uh, there was a lot of just like delays and move flights and shit like that. And um, I really wanted to get to Vegas and smoke a cigar down in the lobby of the hotel before the day before the show. So we ended up getting in at eleven o'clock at night. And in my travel humidor, I had uh, a 652 Tricky Traca. But it had been a long day. 
hadn't smoked yet, really hadn't eaten that much. And I pulled it out, and I remember Dave going, are you sure, dude? And I, I was like, oh, yeah. And I had a great experience just going around, smoking that cigar. Being seen with that cigar, to me, is just is, is kind of cool. Uh, just mingling a little bit, getting ready for an awesome show, and that was a great way to kick it off. Uh, so that's what smoking this thing right now is kind of reminding me of. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about this one that you just handed me here. Is there, it seems like there's something that we that Dunbarton fans or just fans of cigars in general are going to have to look forward to post PCA. Is that right? Yeah, so we have the the Mikurita Black Soccer Con, which is what we're smoking here, which is the first uh, variation. It's a seven and a quarter by uh, uh, fifty four. Uh, it's a substantial cigar. It's actually the first the first time we've used any Honduran tobacco in our cigars. So you've got you know Nicaraguan Nicaraguan internals, some Honduran. Uh, uh, San Andreas uh, uh, binder, uh, Connecticut broadleaf Maduro wrapper, just in- incredibly rich. It's it has the same strength level mm-hmm. as a tricky traca, uh, but it's not as it's not as bold. It's richer and smoother, so it's a little bit of a, a cross between that blue and the red, but and and more refined. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was the size that we had released last year. We're still catching up on our on our back orders. So this is the Saka Khan. And we're going to be uh, releasing one at the trade show, more like a robusto size called the Papa Saka, mm-hmm. and it's it's smoking like a champ right now. It's really ah, it's yeah, really dude. good. Like I said, this seven and a quarter by fifty four. It's a substantial cigar. It's an investment in your time, uh, and we have people that I mean absolutely love it. Like I love how big it is, and then it's like, can you make one a little smaller? Yeah. Though? Like I don't have I don't have two and a half hours. And I said, listen, I'm my scumbag salesman. He comes out. I'm like, I don't care if we smoke it an hour and throw it out. Go buy another one. Yeah. You know, like, you know, but uh, you know, oh sure, you can you can fire off three robustos instead. But I'm the people who show and send me a picture like nubbing something down with a paper clip yeah. through it. I'm like, man, I want you to spend another nine bucks. What are you, what are you doing there? <laughs> You're breaking my heart. My children need shoes. What are you doing? Come on. I am looking at this thing. I you know you handed this to me about you know 40 minutes ago, and I. You know, I, I was pretty excited to get this thing in my hands. I don't know when I'm gonna smoke it. I gotta tell, I gotta tell Brooke to like, you know, I'm just gonna be outside for like three hours. Don't worry, I'm fine. Uh, you know, I'm just gonna be in the garage enjoying this thing. I can't wait to sit down with it. It's a substantial thing, but it's summertime. Like, let's get out there. That's what I like you know? with the uh, with the meat Korea Grand Buffalo. We make a seven, oh. seven by sixty four, and we make it in a, as, as the seven sixty four. Yeah, we have it. Traka. Yeah, yeah. That's a it's a great enormous cigar. And it's you know it's designed to be stronger because a lot of times the cigars that are that big are mostly filler tobacco and most people that smoke those they're not looking for a strong experience they're just looking for a cigar that smokes for a long time, but the cigar smokers that want something really big and really strong like you've got La Florida Minicata Diggers mm-hmm. and then you got the 764 or the Grand Buffalo like that's kind of like if you have a customer that smokes that those are the two that you're gonna you know put them on towards, and I, I give John Carney a hard time. All the time from Lafleur VP from Lafleur. I'm like, hey man, thank you for being back on those diggers. It's really helping 764 cents, <laughs> you know. But uh, you know, good, you know, good friends and, and good people. But that's the cigar that I don't I don't smoke it very often. But I said if I'm if I'm at my house, I'm on the back deck. I'm not going to say that I'm arguing with my wife, but I say I'm going out back and smoking one cigar. I'll be upstairs <laughs> later. I know that by the time that I'm done with that cigar, the lights are off. Yeah, it's a, it's a safe bet to you know <laughs> you don't want to set yourself up to fail. Yeah, uh, I got so lucky in that regard, just because like. I, I I get my cigar whenever I whenever I'd like to. Hey, 
it's work. It's it's for science. That's it's right, not really. Yeah. Trust me, I'm not enjoying any part of being out of the house. But I have to go do this, and uh, these things keep the lights on. It's so, for the children. Yeah, <laughs> the, the non-existent children. Right, exactly. That we, right. that we've talked about. That's what it's all about. Um, so. In January, we you guys helped us out with a really special promotion um, to just kick off the year with an awesome brand and just give out some hats because it's really cold up here. It is. Uh, we had a lot. Of, we had a couple sake squatches, which have been wildly, po- which were wildly popular. The hats too, some stickers. We introduced the Sin Compromiso. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about that one yet. Could you briefly tell us about that cigar? Sin Compromiso, it's a, such a unique cigar. The tobaccos that are in that cigar are exclusively grown for us. So it's a bit of a long story. People are like, yeah, you take a minute to tell it. All right, I'll take seven. Mm. And uh, like the, the wrapper that is on that cigar is grown exclusively for us by our, our grower in San Andreas, Mexico. And he calls it Cultivo Tanto, which is a dumb cultivation because he says that the worst in our money. It was a stupid thing to do. But it's, <laughs> it's based off of these rare Japanese melons called Royal Crown Musk Melons. And Steve saw this, you know, TV TV <laughs> thing one time about this, you know, national delicacy. These melons used to be grown for the royal family in Japan. Uh, they used to be a couple hundred dollars a melon. Now they're a couple thousand dollars a melon. Jesus. You can no longer legally export them from Japan. So you start with these you know, the vine of melons that should grow like thirty to thirty-three melons, and they start to grow, and they look to see what they think the two best melons are, and they prune everything else off. And as these two melons start to grow. They look to see what they think the best melon is, and they cut off the other one. So this entire vine and all the nutrients for this vine grows one melon. You get this, and like Steve said, you know, it's the Japanese culture. Like they then sing to the melon and rub the melon and do things like that. <laughs> but you get this really fleshy, sweet melon. And he said, I wonder what would happen if we did that with tobacco. So he contracted with our farmer to grow a, a test crop, a pilot crop one time, where as the plant grows... Uh, they strip off the bottom two-thirds of the plant. We just grow the top leaves at the top of the plants, and you're constantly breaking off the sucker plants, sucker leaves and sucker plants that are coming off of it. Mm. And he did a blind rolling between what he normally grows for us and this pilot crop, and Steve said 100% of the time I could taste the difference between the two tobaccos. And he's like, I was all in, completely sold. So it's it's ridiculously expensive for what it costs because we're paying extra even for the labor because normally you wouldn't have to go in and prune like that uh, and you're just throwing that tobacco out so it's a very wasteful way of doing it but what you get is just a really delicious leaf uh, the binder that's on that cigar is this thin hybridized Ecuadorian Habano but it's not a it's not a super spicy pungent Lajero it's just got a nice richness to it uh, some Nicaraguan internals uh, I tell people that when you smoke it it's got like a chocolatey essence to it but it's more like a, a baker's cacao chocolate versus a milk chocolate mm-hmm. so it hits you under the salivary glands a little bit it's a incredibly rich delicious cigar and while you're smoking that you it, it's better don't smoke it in a car don't smoke it where it's windy when it, it's more than a sum of its parts like when you are sort of enveloped in the smoke and the aroma that's coming off of it it's just an even more exceptional experience than just sitting there as it sort of blows away Beautiful. Yeah. That's an, that's an incredible story. I had no idea. Is that why it's called No Compromise? Yeah, and and it's sort of the the, the motto of the whole the whole company is you know puros and compromiso. You know, cigars without compromise. I won't forget when, um, when we finally were able to like secure Dunbarton as a brand we were going to sell in the store, we got this packet of information about every single cigar and our, the way our staff training pack. 
Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. Dave and I had such a fun time, like, reading about what the manufacturer would want you. This is how they want you to market the cigar, which to me was awesome because, like, you know, it's hard to... A lot of the guys that come in the humidor, it's, they just want a cigar and they don't want to hear too, too much about it. But the diehards love that kind of stuff. If well, we could, when it comes to Sin Compromiso, when people say, tell me about this cigar, I'll say to them, do you want to hear a five-minute story or do you just want me to tell you that it's good and you should try it? And it's like 50-50. Some people are like, tell me the story. And others are like, all right, I'll try it. Yep, thank you. It's a, don't need to know more. People don't want to be lectured. They don't want to be have the education mm-hmm. thrown upon them. Like, hey, listen, it's your money. But I will... I am more than happy to explain to you everything that's behind this, but some people are just like, tell me, is it good? Yeah, it's good. All right, great. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I'm a sucker for a good cigar story. Sin Compromiso is a cigar I had one time long ago. I think, when did it come out? Like three, four years ago? Uh, probably about five years ago. Yeah. It came, on, it came on before I started with the company. I'm coming up on five years. Yeah, and you guys launched in 17? Uh, it's been... I want to say probably eight, I think 18. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's about the same amount of time. And no, I think you might be right. It would be 16. I remember I had it and I didn't, I had gotten it from somewhere and I didn't know what it was because I threw away the cello mm-hmm. and I couldn't identify it from just the band, right? Because yeah. like, how do you describe the band? It's just like, it looks like kind of like a it's not four a Celtic leaf cross. clover it's not a Celtic, of some kind. It's not a Celtic cross. It's a heraldic, something Steve explains it significantly better than me because I'm at a loss for words right now and you know being stupid <laughs> but uh, I forget he has a, a long thing but usually people are like it's Celtic Cross I'm like at least you recognize them right <laughs> <You know? laughs> I remember being so bummed out because I couldn't uh, I was like well I'm never going to see it again I love a box press too I just get mm-hmm. all that I get all that nice smoke in there the draw is always just so much so much nicer to me I just need plumes of smoke but I I remember I had it and, you know, I wasn't really smoking in my car at the time when I was having a cigar. I wasn't, like, passively, like, at work or, like, right now. It was, like, an, an event for me mm-hmm. that day. And I remember I had it, and uh, I was bummed out at the end because I had thrown out the cellophane. I'm not going to go garbage digging for it. And this is what I have. And then I would carry it with me. It was just in my wallet because um, I was broke. So yeah. <laughs> yep. so I had all this room. And uh, I remember I finally found it one day, like, maybe, like, four years ago. It was pre-COVID, so... Um, and that's that's a cigar that got me. That, there's one that carried me through COVID, but there was some because you know we were talking earlier about yeah. expendable income and all mm-hmm. that stuff. That one was another one that I just I was ripping like crazy. We finally got it in January, and I mean I can't really say which one has been the most popular. Is there one brand in in the whole Dunbarton portfolio that sells a little bit more than all the rest of them, or are they all pretty evenly kind of represented? They're they're relatively even. Uh, Brulee has has just gone crazy. Mm-hmm. Sin does incredibly well, uh, and Mi Carita in the Blue is just, it's real. I refer to it as our workhorse. And then I have other places. We have we have our Umbagog line, which is an offshoot from Mi Carita, and our Umbagog line is a bit more. Uh, I mean, listen, it's a popular price, but it's still around ten dollars. But you get a great broadleaf uh, Maduro cigar, and it's it, it's a little bit confusing to people. Mm-hmm. They've referred to it before as a Mi Carita second, that it's not a second at all. They are Primeros, they are rolled. I said, if we had that many seconds, people would be fired at the factory. Like This is something that we make. But uh, what happens is in the, the whole concept of using all parts of the buffalo, we buy this, you know, we buy all these 
uh, broadleaf crops. So when we get to our pre-industry and there's the tobacco sorting section, when they take the, the, the broadleaf, they hold it up to the light, they make sure there's no pinholes in it, it's referred to as sound, and it's a sound leaf. Then they're looking at it. If it's not aesthetically pleasing enough to use on Mikarita, it goes on to Umbagog. So, uh, and then the, the Umbagog also has a, Umbagog is a lake in, uh, in New Hampshire. It's mm -hmm. like New Hampshire, Maine, and Canada. Uh, it's actually Umbagog, uh, but you don't run into a lot of Abernathy Indians to correct you on your pronunciation. And we bastardized it and called it Umbagog for so long. It just has now yeah. stuck as Umbagog. If you find a local, like, you know, it's Umbagog, right? I'm like, oh, you're from there, aren't you? <laughs> You've spent time on the lake. And that is, that's Steve's bass fishing cigar. So he takes it out of the lake. He's whipping across on his boat. He drops a cigar down. It's got a great, like, heavy, broadleaf. It's durable, yeah. it's, it's durable. And, you know, we have, we have some shops that do tremendously well with Umbagog and then Sin Compromiso. And it's like they have, hey, I want to introduce you to the to the Dumbarton line. Here you go, I can get you in. I'm moving you up with some other things and I'm putting you into a $10 Umbagog and really gonna enjoy this. It comes in a 10 count you know, craft paper pack. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, you want to really treat yourself well, here's your 18, 19, $20 Sin Compromiso. And they do okay in the middle, but these like the, those two brands are just like their leaders in the store. So it, it varies from place to place mm -hmm. on, on what it does. but. Brulee and regular Sober Mesa have sort of become like a, a little bit of transcendent brands where people don't, they smoke it because they just, they smoke it because they like it. They don't know who Saka is, they don't know Dunbar, and they don't know any of that. They just know that they like a mild or a medium cigar and they come in and they love the performance and they like how it, how they're always going to get that same uh, consistency. consistency and treatment out of the cigar. They know they're not having any issues with it and they just, they just flock to it. And they don't want to come to an event. They don't want a box sign. They just want to come in and get their cigars yeah. and leave and really smoke them. So those two brands have just become like crossover brands mm -hmm. uh, to the, the regular consumer that just doesn't know versus our real fan base who knows us and searches out our stuff all the time was like, no, this is what you're known for and I love this. They just come in and because shops like yourself have turned them onto it. Here, give this a shot. I think you're going to like this. I mean, while Connecticut Shade isn't sexy that people are always talking about, like, oh, you know, what's with this great mild cigar that I tried? Like, no, it's not, it's not what you see on blogs. It's not what you hear from people. But if you talk to shops, it's Connecticut Shade still the number one seller. Oh, yeah. You know, people, it's like, oh, what's mild? Because people, if they're not really into cigars, what they've had is like some really bad cigars in the past. They want something that's just going to be non-offensive. They want something that's going to be mild. They can smoke. They're mm -hmm. not going to be sick to their stomach. They can smoke around people. They're not going to stink. They're not going to get yelled at. Right. So... Having that Connecticut shade or the, the regular Silver Mesa line with that, you know, uh, Ecuadorian Habano wrapper on a true medium, super nuanced, very tasty. And I tell people, if you're smoking the regular Silver Mesa, make it your first cigar. Don't make it your third cigar because you're going to miss a lot of the subtlety yeah, and nuances yeah. that are in there. You're going to miss some of that cinnamon toast. You're going to miss some of those other just, just, just hints that are, that are in there that in the morning with a cup of coffee, it's a very playful cigar to smoke. Yeah, that cigar has a lot of nuttiness to me. It was mm -hmm. actually... On the last episode, spoiler alert for those who haven't heard it yet, it was the cigar Dave picked without the band that I had to guess, and you know, first third of it, I had it, I had a pretty sussed out. Sweet Cap, a little bit does give it a little away, a little bit, but I mean, the way that I broke well, it down, no, there's no sweet on the Sober Mesa Brulee. It's not a sweet cap. Hmm. So what you're noticing is, I, I tell people that. Connecticut Shade wrapper has a natural bitterness to it. When okay. you put it in your lips, you get like a sting, sting and a tingle on your lips from the majority of Connecticut Shade that's out there. Because Connecticut Shade, you can take it, you put it in the barns, you cure it, you don't ferment that. So like pretty much right after curing, just about at that point, you could actually take it and roll it and put it on cigars. You can do it very quickly. It costs you less money 
to process it and do it that way. We take it and then bail agent an additional two to three years. So it takes all that bitterness out of the leaf. So what you notice is you're not getting the bitter sting on your lips, but you notice the natural sweetness that's in the that's in the tobacco itself. That's natural sweetness. That's natural that. sweetness. So that's why some of them some of them you'll have nothing because just that leaf isn't isn't as sweet. And others you're like, oh my god, this kind of tastes like it's got a sweet cap. Oh the, wow. The only cigar that we actually sweeten the cap on is our Stillwell Star, which is made with pipe tobacco, mm-hmm. and the aromatic number one has a sweet cap. That's the only cigar that we put any sweet cap on whatsoever. Wow, so that's all. That's yeah. I actually did not know that. So we did a, we did a, 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 a sample pack during early on in COVID, the first summer of, summer of COVID, uh, because it was such a controversy on whether it was sweet-tipped or not sweet-tipped, and the pack itself was S-T-F-U, double exclamation point, and it was either the Saka Taste for Yourself sampler, <laughs> shut the fuck up, depending on how we wanted, to, we wanted to tell you, but it was marketed, excuse me, it was marketed as the Saka Taste for Yourself sampler. And in that, it was five Toros that we took out of the cool room. Two of them were the regular Toros, two of them had a single sweet tip, and one of them had a double sweet tip. So we sent it out there, sort of like a blind thing of, smoke this, see what you think. And then we did like a Facebook Live reveal of what the blend actually was. And, you know, spoiler alert, the F and the U for the single sweet tip. And I, and I think the double exclamation point was a double sweet tip. Uh, but you could taste the difference if we actually had put a sweet tip on the cigar versus what the cigars are supposed to be like. That's and and it, was, it, was, it was the type of thing that you should smoke one each day because once you put mm-hmm. one with a sweet tip in, that's it. You're your shot, like it's, it's got to stick. It's, it stays in your lips, and it's there forever. But wow. you will still, every now and again, stumble by a shop who still who still has those. And it, it was su- it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. That the project itself was an incredible amount of fun. The engagement with people, what's this, what's that? I think that I know. It really brought brought it back. I mean, been doing this for like almost two decades, where it's like any other any other job. I mean, it's. Like I said, no, nobody's trying to bite my finger off, you know, in this job. Uh, right. But like any other job, you can just sort of, you get into your grind because there's a lot that, that goes into it. It made it fun again. Like it brought it back to the early days of just like really being engaged and, and, and what it was. The one thing that it did do, we sold so many of those packs because people wanted to do it. It set us back on our Sober Mesa Toros because we took regular <laughs> Toros out of the cool room that was supposed to go in the boxes. Yeah. So we were, we were back ordered on Toros <laughs> to begin with. And then we took... I think we took somewhere like ten or fifteen thousand cigars. So we we did, I don't know, like three, maybe five thousand of these five sample packs. So it, it really put us back for a long time <laughs> with our with our toros. But it, it was still it was it was so much fun, and it wasn't you know, we from a from a business standpoint, it wasn't good to not have the toros on the shelf to get the people. Right. But we also weren't doing some sort of a discount on it. So it was as if they were just buying the toros the regular price. Yeah, it wasn't like yeah. it cost us anything more to do it. Right. It just I sell people robustos. Sorry, sorry, we're back yeah. on toros, but it's a it, it was a, a good thing, and you did have some people that it, it changed their mind. Like, oh wow, yeah, no, I, I now I see, this is the regular thing. This is what an actual sweet sweet would be. Dedicated to the bit. Dedicated to the bit. And we said we're not we're not opposed to making a sweet capped cigar. And Steve said, but I think you, I, I hope that you think enough of me as a cigar maker, so at least the consistency would be there. If I was making a sweet cap cigar, every single one would be the same. And I would disclose that it's a sweet tip cigar. 
but you know, we did have people that said, oh, I, I wish you'd make this at a sweet tip. I'd, I'd get it. But the question is, would you really spend $15 for the sweet tip cigar when in the marketplace you can get a Baccarat, you can get a host, you can get these other things that are, right. uh, I'm not shitting on them. I'm just saying that you can get those for They're six, available, six right? $7, $8. Yeah. So are you really going to spend 15 Like, Do you find that it's exponentially better that you're going to go to it and smoke that? Or mm-hmm. is it going to be like, oh, I'll put it in my rotation every now and again? Like. If you're just going to put in your rotation every now and again, I'm just making brulee. Right. <laughs> it just yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense yeah. to siphon that production off to go, in, to go in that direction. That is an awesome story. And yeah. I, that's on me. I didn't, I had no idea. I thought that, I thought it was very slightly sweetened, not mm. all the way, but I thought it was just very slightly. That's amazing. Um, awesome. All right. You learn something new every day. The last question that I usually ask people, Dave, is I need you to take off your Dunbarton hat for a second. Uh, you said you were a cigar head mm-hmm. before. You know, you got involved with uh, this amazing company. If you were, you know, stuck on a desert island, I can give you a lifetime supply of one cigar and one cigar only. Simple answer. Don, would, Don Carlos Lancero. Lance, Don Carlos Lancero. You never see them. You see them very rarely. Yeah. They, they will make them every now and again for special, special occasions. And uh, I've known, again, being a cigar head, what got me into cigars to begin with uh, was Fuente Newman, they used to have a website that was called Cigar Family, and it was like a cigar bulletin board, message board for cigar geeks that were, I love Cameroon Rapper. I just really, I enjoy those cigars. And I got involved with that group early on before I even got in, the, got in the business and got to know Carlito when he was close with a lot of the guys that were on there. And when a lot of my friends, when they would have a baby, Carlito would send them a box of Don Carlos Lanceros with the name and date of birth Oh, on the van, so on, on the on the cello, and we'd all get together and smoke those cigars. So besides the fact that the cigars are really good, a lot of it brings me back to being with my old friends, smoking those celebratory cigars because mm-hmm. someone had a baby. And you could still find them occasionally. Casa Fuente, they've moved away from it quite a bit, so you'll still see like the Casa Fuente Lancero that's there. But when I'm in Vegas, stop by Casa Fuente if they have that. I pick up a couple of them because if I'm if I'm smoking Cameroon, you know, we don't make anything Cameroon. Cameroon like. Fuente is really, I don't want to say cornered the market, but they cornered the, the, the Mirafelds grow their the Cameroon for them that they use. It's a, it's incredible wrapper, uh, but they've they've earned their business. You know they they mm-hmm. get a ton of it, so it's unsustainable for a lot of companies to try and make a Cameroon wrapper. You find people that are like growing it in Ecuador or whatnot, but that actual Cameroon grown in Cameroon, Africa, it has a particular flavor profile to it. I like it a lot. Uh, so it's also something that we don't make. So I, I don't feel like I'm cheating yeah. by going over and having something like that. But yeah. that would be that would be my Desert Island cigar. Awesome. That was a very thorough answer. Probably the best Desert Island cigar answer that we've gotten so far. Mm. So, um, guys, if you haven't stopped in yet, we keep the Dunbarton right next to the Padron. So if you go, you know, if you're looking back there for for all the good stuff, you're gonna find the Dunbarton right as you walk in. Head right to the back. Even come in and ask us. We'll tell you about our favorite ones. We'll tell you about where you could find them, all the different varieties we have. We're excited to grow the brand here. Looking at this Mi Carita Black here, just staring me in the face, waiting for me, maybe uh, maybe Friday night. I can't wait to try that. I'm really excited and, and honored to have you here with us, Dave. Um, want to thank you for taking the time out to come see us at Tall Chief. Want to thank Brian for helping us open up here. Brian's been listening to the interview the whole time. He's over here in the corner hanging out with the Sin Compromiso. Um, so, Dave, yeah, we just want to thank you, man. Thank you so much for coming by and giving us some of your time. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for supporting the brand. Thank you for having me here. Uh, and for any of your any of your listeners, like we are 
very accessible. Excuse me, very accessible on social media. You know, uh, David Lafferty on Facebook, uh, that Dave Lafferty, all one word on Instagram. We like to engage with the consumer. We like to know who you are. We like to know where you, where you shop. Not that we try and poach anything, but what, what parts of the country you're in. Mm-hmm. What what do you engage in? What are your enjoyments? You know, we uh, you know we. We spoke off mic earlier about sometimes people don't understand, you know, you know, personal, you know, yeah. personal space. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. they get a little bit weird. Sometimes, uh, so maybe I shouldn't be telling people. Yeah, contact us on Instagram yeah. where it is. But understand, at three o'clock in the morning, you're gonna be bothering the shit out of yeah, me. Yeah, you know, exactly. it's a. Uh, but you know, we we like to get tagged in posts. We even listen. I don't want to be tagged in posts as a problem. Just don't tag a post. Just reach out to me. Like if we stand behind all of our products. Mm-hmm. If you have an issue with a product, contact us. You you paid good money for that. You should get your the enjoyment of what you intended to get. You know, so many people push it off on the retailer. Like we, we do get beat up a little bit from other manufacturers, like, man, I can't believe you engage with the consumer and you'll replace this and you'll replace that. I send them back to the shop. I'm like, okay, you can send them back to the shop if you want. But we you know, we understand that we're you know, we're a growing brand. Mm-hmm. We are we're like I said, we're we're in the brand building phase of our company. Right on. And, and while we're smaller, we can still have that type of engagement. As as you get bigger, you know it's the it's the the lower big numbers. Like you just can't do the same thing. But right. right now, what we try and do is make sure that everybody has the right experience. And it's a handmade product. You are going to occasionally have problems. It's just the nature of the beast of, of where it's going to be. Yeah. And uh, like I said everybody makes mistakes. It's how you handle those mistakes that mm-hmm. of, of how you're viewed. So we try to make sure that our customers feel like they're they're more than just a number. You know, it's there's a lot of places and a lot of things that you can spend your money on. Right. And we don't we don't take it for granted that people want to be involved with us and we want to make sure that just everybody gets the right experience and the right right takeaway. Sometimes they're just not a good fit for each other. Like if you if you try a few of our different cigars, you're like, Well this one didn't work and that one didn't work it was like, Hey, like no harm, no foul. Right. Might, you might want to pick a different company. <laughs> like, yeah. like a lot of our stuff, it's like I said, it's what Steve really likes and enjoys smoking. Yeah. We don't make anything that's like truly a pepper bomb, like an in-your-face pepper bomb. If you like pepper bomb cigars, there's a lot of other companies that make that make really good pepper bomb cigars you'll probably enjoy. So if you're coming in and sort of getting a lackluster experience, but it's because it's it's not what you like. Like I don't I don't eat salmon. I don't like salmon, but I can tell you if you have a good ribeye steak. So I'm not gonna keep going to the salmon and be like, their salmon sucks. Like, no, I'm the I'm the wrong person to judge somebody's salmon. But I can tell you if you got a good ribeye. Right. So, you know, if if, you know consumers that are out there, the the good, the bad, reach out. We you you have more sway. The consumer has more sway about our cigars being in someone's shop than we do. Right on. Everybody expects us to come in and say we're the greatest, we're the best, we're the whatever, because if, if if you don't think the stuff that you're making is the best, what the hell are you doing? Exactly. You know, go go do something different. Like if you're, you know, oh, how was the cigar? It was okay. I'm like, that's what we were shooting for. Okay, thank you for knocking it <laughs> out of the park. Pizza <laughs> sharp stick in the eye. Our new catchphrase <laughs> on the cigar. Uh, but if you if you don't think you're making the best, then then do better. So we try and be the best and do you know and not be out there like chest pounding, but we really are, are proud of what we do and what we put out. So yeah. if you're if you're someone who hangs out in a shop and spends money in a shop, me calling the shop owner saying, hey, I think the cigars will do well there is very different from the consumer that has money in their hand and says, I want to buy these cigars if you bring them in. Like that's, that has magnificent sway when it comes to things. Absolutely. Yeah. An incredible brand, incredible rep, incredible reputation. Some of the best cigars in our humidor. If you're interested in anything that you heard today, please come in, talk to me, Dave, or Dominican Dave about these. We all like a different one, but... They're all fantastic, so I can't thank you enough, Dave, for joining me today. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Excited to see you at PCA, excited Same to keep here. building the brand, and, you know, um, 
who knows when the next time you'll see Dave is. But uh, for now, if you're interested in any of the cigars that he talked about today, you can find them right here at the world-famous Tall Chief Cigars Humidor and Lounge. So thank you, Dave. Thank you. Huge thanks to Dave Lafferty from Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust for coming in. Special and rare in-studio appearance. Yes, yeah. Stay with me for an hour. We smoked for, you know, two more. It was a beautiful day. Gave me a uh, Mi Carita Black, that big old Saka Khan size, that big 7x54. Yeah. I smoked yeah. that shit last Sunday. And let me tell you, I done burnt my hands. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I was, we had a boy, Ray Eads, who taught yeah. me this nice pinch move <laughs> where you get it from the other side and you just the Eads pinch. The Eads pinch, baby. Yeah. Been using it since 2012. <laughs> so it beats a toothpick. Oh, man. Um, that cigar is awesome. I can't wait to get it. It was so good. So good. And uh, the interview was great, too. So big thanks to Dave for coming through, coming to our, little, our neck of the woods out here, sitting down with me, having some cigars, talking about all the amazing offerings from Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust with more to follow. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, we've got we've got some, some quick... Uh, Reaction. We wanted to toss in our own takes on so this big, big news in the world of golf over the last week. It was announced that you read some of the headlines, you don't know what to think, but it was announced that a new organization is being created that will uh, essentially encompass the PGA Tour and Live Golf and PGA of America. They're sort of all becoming one big united, uh, you know, organization. And so some of the headlines came out over over the last few days, like, you know, live merges with PGA Tour or, you know, uh, live golf. Uh, you know, the, the PIF, the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia, purchases the PGA Tour, things like this. And it's like, what? You know, how that what, what happened? Uh, what are the details here? And I think there's a whole lot of misunderstanding out there. Uh, I've been diving into this over the last few days as a big, big golf nut that I am. And uh, so I, I thought I would toss out uh, my own my own take of the situation and what I can what I can what I've been yeah. able to figure out up I wanted, to this point. When I read the headline, the first person I wanted yeah. to see who their opinion was yeah. was you. Yeah. So yeah. it is about ten days old, but you know we released biweekly. So yeah, Dave, I want to hear what you have to say about it. Yeah, you know, so from what I can tell, uh, and I'll credit, I'll credit all this research to like other other guys who who do a lot of research, and you know, I listen to a lot of golf podcasts and, and read a lot on the internet about this stuff. Uh, what's what's going on is the PGA Tour up to this point in history has always been a, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. It's uh, it's owned by the, the members of the, of the Professional Golf Association. But here comes Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia and the Public Investment Fund has been trying to invest in, in professional sports across the globe for years. Um, many believe this is an attempt to sort of whitewash their reputation as a you know, uh, human rights violating dictatorship by throwing their money into things that everybody loves mm -hmm. and just trying to become a legitimate player on the global financial stage. 
And so they've done this in, in other sports by just, you know, throwing a bunch of money in behind causes that other people uh, support and enjoy. And so that's what's happened in the world of golf. The, the PIF decided that they wanted to invest in professional golf. And the, the rumor is that three, four, five years ago, Jay Monahan, the chairman of the PGA, didn't want to take that meeting. He was like, we don't want anything to do with that. Like, thanks, but no thanks. So then uh, the, the Saudi investment fund is like, okay, well, then we're going to create our own organization. You know, and so here comes the Live Golf Tour. They start hiring, offering some of the biggest names in golf incredible amounts of money to leave the PGA Tour and come join our side and play with us instead. And when you have that much money, you know, you can get a lot of people to do what you want. And uh, so that's, that's what was happening over the last several years. This presented a challenge to the PGA Tour because now, you know, we have competition where for the longest time there was, you know, if you, if professional golf was your, was the entertainment you were looking for, there was only one place to get it. And now all of a sudden there's competition. Can I interject with yeah. a question? Yeah. Have you ever watched a live tournament that was not on Sunday after three o'clock? You know, I guess, I guess not. Um, Me neither. Yeah. Me neither. You know, I guess not. Okay, go ahead. Keep going then. I just, I no, I haven't. I don't golf. Right. And we're getting a little bit into like, we'll talk about golf on this podcast frequently now. We'll talk about majors, the U.S. Open this week. U.S. You know, Open week. Yeah. We got night golf tonight. You know, like, I don't golf, but I like following it. And then I, well, I'll, I'll turn it on in the garage on a yeah. Sunday when I'm smoking. And then I think to myself, I would never watch round one of this tournament. But I would watch round one of the PGA. Yeah. The, the U.S. Open. Yeah. The yeah. Ryder Cup. Right. You know, like. Well, Right. Yeah. It's like the greatest sporting so, event, you know, all year. But anyway, yeah, go ahead. I just yeah. wanted to, that's just a, uh, just a, <laughs> for science. Yeah. For, <laughs> we're doing science here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so whatever. So, so now there's this new Saudi funded live golf tour. The PGA tour has decided that it would be better if there's this force this, this incredibly wealthy force that is just going to be dumping money into this game. There's nothing you can do to change that. They're going to do it. Would you rather have that money working with you or against you, right? And so the PGA Tour has decided they want that money working with them. So what's occurred now is, and none of this has been finalized, but uh, the, the agreement, there's been a handshake agreement between uh, Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour, and the the, the PIF, the the um, Saudi Investment Fund, uh, that a new organization will has been created. Um, they're calling it NewCo or the new company, which is not a not for profit like the PGA Tour is. It is a for profit institution. <laughs> you get <laughs> and all and uh, it it'll contain the all of the assets. From both sides. It's called NUCO? Well, that's just like what they're calling it in like the 
the documents they've released to the media you because could, they haven't given it a name. Yeah, yet I was going to say you could tell that was made by people with tons of money and no touch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, Newco. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, is, no, I just this is how they I were referring to it on with, some of the podcasts and in the documents that were released to the media is what I understand. But so anyway. they, it it felt to me like PGA was sold. And that is what a lot of people have taken away from this. And I really think that that might be a little bit of a misapprehension. Um, so all of that Saudi money, those hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars that they were going to be pouring into their own tour are now going to be dumped into this new co, which, which is the umbrella company that uh, contains all of all of live golf all of the pga tour all of the dp world tour so all of these professional golf tours are now part of the same company mm -hmm. that company is is going to be like uh, there will be a valuation and then the pif and any other private investors can decide to uh invest in this new company so that that saudi money is now going to be controlled by the PGA Tour, essentially. Jay Monahan remains the CEO of this new company. Somehow. Yeah. Somehow. And so that's like that's the, the part that I think a lot of people are not seeing is that, yeah, it's, also, it's a lot of Saudi money, but the decision-making rests with the PGA Tour, um, at least as it's been, been portrayed to, to the golf media. So... You know, I don't, I don't like it, and there's so many reasons why you're legitimately, uh, one might be legitimately upset about this because mm -hmm. of Saudi Arabia and what they stand for and what they are as a nation, uh, and because, uh, you know, it, it would be, I would, I'm just somebody who loves golf. I love major championship golf. I love the Ryder Cup. I love the PGA Tour week in and week out. There's nothing better to me. As a, as a golf fan so like why are we changing anything i just want everything to go back to the way it was before you know what i mean like i just am really scared of what these changes are going to bring yeah i mean you know as for me it's like as whatever it takes to get these guys paid handsomely makes makes me happy i mean it sucks yeah. that it's the, yeah. this is where the money comes from the same organization that has funded terrorism right Right. That feels like dirty to watch and support. So like, it's so awful. You know, I I'm not really into that. Obviously, <laughs> um, it's awful. I, I don't it, really want to like watch it and like support anything that has to do with that. But at the end of the day, it's golf at the highest level, and I want to support the players. It's the only place I can go to play for a living. It's right. the most prestigious tour in right. the history of Amer of the world. Right. You know, and right. it feels like they've put us in a what Jay Monahan has done has right. put us in a situation where right. we feel uncomfortable watching right. our our people we are fans 100%. of, and that sucks. And uh, I don't like it. And uh, you know, it's I'm not like no, golf doesn't care about a guy like me who tunes in on a Sunday at four when I'm like you know mowing the lawn and there's a TV in the refrigerator in the garage, right? Refrigerator. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's a, that's a lot of guys, though. A lot of guys do that. What you're describing, right? And though that it's all of those guys that enable the PGA Tour to sell advertising for the rates that they sell it for and stuff like that. So, like, I wouldn't say that they don't care about you, but you know, yeah, it sucks. And 
we can go on and on about it, but uh, you know, we're not big fans of it. It did no. happen. Hopefully, these guys get paid off more. Hopefully, the product becomes better. It's going to be great to see everybody compete in one player pool again. But it sucks knowing where you know your eyes are, what your eyes are funding. Yeah, and, and that's that's right. That's right. So. I've been I've been like diving into all of this over the last several days, and I am so excited to just watch golf this weekend and not think about this stuff. Like, I just want to get back to hmm. birdies and bogeys, fairways and rough, and and you know just like analyzing the play of these guys and watching the U.S. fucking Open mm-hmm. play out all weekend. Like, it's going to be awesome. And uh, I hope that all of this drama can just take a backseat for the weekend and we'll pick it up again on Monday. You know what I mean? So in the spirit of that, who's going who's gonna to win the U.S. Open? Yeah, dude. We'll briefly, we'll briefly give you our picks here. If Scotty Scheffler can putt even, like, mediocre bad, not, not like, so freaking bad like he did the last couple of weeks, if he, he's gaining so many shots on the field tee to green and is putting atrociously, but he's hitting the ball so much better than everybody else that he's still finishing top top 10 every week yeah. without his putter. If he can putt even somewhere near his 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 mid usual uh you know make rates and and things like that, he's he's going to win. He's hitting the ball so much better than anybody else. So, he's got to be one of my two picks for sure and um I really like uh, I like I like Hovland a lot right now too. He's, yeah, uh, he's playing well. Hovland's a great choice. I nailed Kepka winning the uh, you know you the the, you the last major. I nailed it. If you listened and you bet, I had Brooks at plus twenty two hundred on Saturday. Boom! Oh wow! Boom! Did you really degeneracy? Yeah, uh, it was awesome. Uh, wow. You'll never get it again. You'll never get Brooks at plus twenty two hundred no. again. So a hundred wins you twenty two. He was at one forty five to one, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, th- this morning, so. I'm gonna. So I'm feeling good. I'm feeling myself on my golf picks right now. So I'm gonna throw it down right now, right now, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you the winner of this week's PGA tournament. Wow! And I'm gonna give it to you, and you're gonna be like, "Whoa, that's not gonna happen." <laughs> and I'm gonna tell you anyway that it is gonna happen. I am selecting as my winner Maxwell Homa. Oh man. Max Homa, going to take it home, going to get over the curse, going to stop choking in majors after he makes the cut. Max is going to win this one. I'm feeling it. I, I would so love for that to happen. I f- I'm feeling it because golf needs some good PR. You're right. Golf needs some good PR really bad right now. We don't need Brooks again. We don't need John Rahm. We don't need, you know, yeah. Victor Hovland's a great pick, and I probably would have picked him if Dave didn't pick it. We need, we need one of the horses of the PGA Tour to win this thing. That's we need what a we guy need. who like, does a lot of, you know, a, a lot of media yeah, and pods right, and, like, is out right, there and a fan right. favorite. Like, McElroy's the obvious choice. He's been riding for the PGA Tour through this whole drama. His wedge game is not where it needs to be no. to win this week. Um, so I, I really don't, don't like him for it, although I love Rory, and I, I, I would love for that to happen. I don't think it's going to. Yep. Homa, I mean, Homa is right up there, though. Like, how good that would be for the game. Yep. Uh, even, even a Spieth victory. You know, true. Um, same thing. You know, so I'm gonna throw yeah. it down. Max Homa, my Love spicy that. meatball pick of the week. Love that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> on on a different podcast, that's what they yell. It's a spicy meatball, Max, because he's you know they think he's Italian. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, those are our it picks does. and our thoughts on golf. Before we close this thing out, we're gonna throw it over to Dominican Dave. Hear about what his cigar of the week is, and I'm gonna try to pick this one. And I gotta tell you, I'm through over half of it, and I'm stumped. So nice. give me a few minutes. Check out Dominican Dave's Cigar of the Week, and when I come back, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my picks. 
Mi gente, ¿qué es lo que? Dominican Dave here. Today I, I bring you something completely different. Short story. I went out, I was four wheeling, hours, beautiful, rivers, going through everything. We come back, we have a pork roast, beautiful. I'm talking about this animal is looking good, okay? <laughs> I sit down, I take my boots off, and fire up a Rocky Patel LB1. Oh, baby, what a magnificent cigar was. The experience, the sun coming down, the cigar in my hand, Hennessy's in the other hand. I'm talking about this was good. But you know where you can find that? Only right here, baby. Tall Chief Cigars. All right, big thanks to Dominic, to Dominican Dave for his awesome cigar of the week. He's getting a little better at these. Which is which is always exciting. That might have been to, his uh, finest work yet, man. Uh, he's getting there. He's gonna <laughs> he's got a face for the radio. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so, all right, I'm I finished my cigar. We've had a super busy day, so I've been smoking on it intermittently here and there. This cigar tastes so much like one that I've had recently. Um, so much that I really only have one actual guess. So it's a little risky to go with this one, but. I'll give a little preface to what's going on here. On Saturday at the Spring Smoker, Mike LaRiviere, Rocky Patel rep, was here and he had a cigar that he was going to smoke, but he ran out of time because he had to get back to the airport. So he had cut it and he gave it to me to smoke for him. The cigar that I have today is larger than the cigar I had the other day, but I feel like it just tastes the same. It was so recently that it just tastes the same. I don't think Dave saw me smoke it. This is not a cigar that I have with any regularity, but the size, Rocky Patel Toros are always a six by like, and a half by like 52. They're a little bit larger than your normal Toro. And obviously it's not a vintage 99 Connecticut, but the 90 and the 92 are a very particular identifiable size which left me with only really one actual option because it tasted so much like the little half Robusto, half Toro vintage Cameroon that I had. So I'm smoking it and I'm like, I remember on Saturday on the ride home, I had on the ride home and I was like, dude, I don't have this cigar that often. I should smoke this more often. So the, the discolored wrapper kind of threw me off a little bit, but it tastes so much like it that I, my only actual guess is that it's a vintage 2003 Rocky Patel Toro. So that is what I will guess. And I'm right. There it is. Holy shit. Yeah, dude. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. Hell yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. If Mike never gave me that cigar on Saturday, I would have never known what it was. But I remember I was smoking on the way home, nice and slow. And I was like, dude, this is really good. And I was trying to pay attention to the Cameroon wrapper. Obviously, I still can't pick it out. That goes without saying. But it was... I just it was it had a very unique flavor to me and I loved it and I if I didn't smoke this on Saturday I would have known what it was. Here I am trying to trying my hardest to stump you and so li- good. little little do I know you smoked this cigar like days ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it was so good. Vintage 03. So we had the Rocky Patel Spring Smoker over the weekend had an awesome time and uh, and the the vintage Cameroon stuck out to me. I was like, you know what? That that would be a good one. That would be it's a good so one good. to try on him because I know he doesn't smoke it very often. I never smoke Cameroon. It's like a it's a fair chance, but it's it would be tough. I know it would be tough for him. Of course, 
I didn't, it didn't occur to me that we're at the Rocky event. You, there's a very good chance that you're going to smoke a vintage Cameroon at some point today. We're, we had like four or five cigars I from had, Rocky yeah, I had over a, the course of the day. I had a Connecticut in the morning, then an ALR, <laughs> and then Mike couldn't smoke it. And he handed it to me. He's like, there's nothing wrong with it. And I'm like, bet. Yeah. And it was so good. I loved it. Nice. And that's the only reason why I knew is because the flavor was so familiar. It's like, yo, I just had this recently. Yeah. yeah. Um, the wrapper so threw me fun. off, though. But yeah, you got kind of screwed by Mike. That's so it's, we're nine and two, boys. Wow. We're going, we might not be able to be stopped. You know? So nice try, Dave. It was a great effort. Um, very identifiable size. But a good pick. It was a good strategy. I got a little bit unlucky. And, You're getting there. Uh, You're but getting there. I'm getting there. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again. Uh, thanks to everybody who gave me some feedback and gave me some some ideas. I'm gonna keep that call out there. That's an open invitation for any uh, suggestions for what to do to stump this kid because he's on a he's on a run right I'm now. I'm back on. I'm back in the saddle. I had a two two game skid there, and now I'm back. I think I might be three or four in a row. Yeah. So Dave, yeah. come with it next time. It's gonna be our last episode before PCA. So That's you know right. we're gonna have a ton. A ton of stuff to talk about, a great interview lined up for you, and just so many cool things to talk about heading into a big week for us out in the desert, out in Vegas. That's so, right. Guys, we want to thank you for listening to this latest installment of the Tall Chief Cigar, Cigar Circle Podcast. For Dave, this is Carl. We got to get back to work. We're slammed. That's right. So uh, Enjoy the U.S. Open, boys, and happy Father's Day to everybody out there. Peace. Later. Later.